السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما وسيدر الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد وقال الله سبحانه وتعالى إنما التوبة على الله للذين يعملون السوء بجهالة ثم يتوبون من قريب فأولئك يتوب الله عليهم وكان الله قفورا رحيما صدق الله العظيم It is an accepted fact that in this world nobody exerts themselves without a greater purpose it is an accepted fact that nobody exerts themselves in this world without wanting to achieve a greater purpose a person is going to the gym on a daily basis lifting weights why for the sake of it just for the fun of it no he wants to shed some weight he wants to become fit and healthy people go on hunger strikes why they want their voices to be heard you find others who cycle around the world they're doing it for some worthy cause raising awareness it is an accepted fact that nobody exerts themselves in this world without a greater purpose muslims globally have initiated a process of exerting themselves during the day by staying hungry and thirsty and away from their sexual desires. Muslims globally have initiated a process of exerting themselves during the night by standing. After having been to work all day for eight, nine hours, and after remaining hungry for so many hours, and after being in this routine, then to stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala additionally to the five times salah for taraweeh for one hour for another one and a half hours and then further on others are then doing qiyamul layl and tahajjud and not just that exerting further in reciting the Quran and exerting further in being involved in charitable projects and exerting further trying to provide iftar for other people and the list goes on. We don't need to go into the detail of how Muslims throughout the world in this holy month exert themselves. The idea and the question now is, have you ever given thought why? What's the greater purpose? And the fear is, have we become people who are slaves of rituals? Has my fasting, my taraweeh, my sadaqah, my Quran become a ritual practice? Does a person just go to the gym or people go on a hunger strike or somebody cycle around the world just because everybody else is doing it? Just because the book says, the Quran says, just because that's what the norm is, if I don't fast and everybody's going to say, why are you not fasting? If I don't pray the taraweeh, people are saying, are you lazy? Are you old? Are you a munafiq? What's happened to you? Why am I doing all this? What's the greater? Have we ever given it thought? Or is it just, this is the time of the year? This is what we should be doing. So let's just do it. 
Let's just stay hungry in the day. Let's just pray in the night. Let's read some extra Quran. Have we ever given it thought of why? Muslims fast throughout the month of Ramadan. And from the many reasons and the purpose and the objective of what are you trying to achieve? My question to you and my question to myself. What do you want to achieve from this Ramadan? What is it? What's your goal? What's your objective? Shall I tell you what our objective should be? There are a few, but we'll touch on one just for today. By the end of Ramadan, you and I need to secure something. One thing, and we need it. We desperately need it. It's our need. And that is nothing other than the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what we need. That is why we are striving. All of this exertion is to secure the forgiveness of Allah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he ascends the pulpit and he steps on the first step and he says, Ameen. Second step, he says, Ameen. Third step, he says, Ameen. The Sahaba microscopically observed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's each individual practice. They said, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Sa'idta thalathan wa ammanta thalathan. O Prophet of Allah, you stood and stepped on three steps. We didn't hear you say anything, but we heard you say, Ameen, Ameen, Ameen. Very peculiar practice. We've never seen you do that before. What's the story? Please tell us. The Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Yes. Jibreel came to me at this time and he uttered some words. And these were words of a supplication or should I call it a curse? And he says, I approved of his words. And I endorsed his prayer by saying, Ameen. The second prayer he made, I approved of it. I, I endorsed it by saying, Ameen. And the third one as well, I approved, I endorsed it by saying, Ameen. Now before we go into the detail of what was discussed here, remember this was a curse made by Jibreel. And the Prophet ﷺ went to the extent of approving, endorsing by saying, Ameen. Now the Prophet of Allah was not a man of cursing. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, Inni lam la'ana. Allah has not sent me and he's not even taught me how to curse. I'm not a person that curses people. You know, a sahabi came, Ya Rasulullah, these are the people of those. They're taking too long to accept Islam, they don't want to know. Oh Prophet of Allah, please make a dua against them, curse them. The Sahabi is waiting for the curse. The Prophet said, Allahumma dawsan, bihim. Oh Allah, guide the people of those and bring them to us. The Sahabi says, Ya Rasulullah, I asked you to curse them. He says, Oh Allah, guide them. He says, Ya Rasulullah, curse them. He says, Oh Allah, guide them. And then he said, Allah has not made me a person who curses. I am not a person that curses. And then he goes on to say in a dua, Allahumma innama ana basha. Oh Allah, I am a human. Ayyuma mu'minin adaytuhu, aw shatamtuhu, aw la'antuhu. Faj'al dhalika laqa qurbatan ilayka, faj'al dhalika lahu qurbatan ilayka yawm al-qiyamah. Oh Allah, if by chance I have ever in my life hurt anybody, cursed anybody, or said anything bad to anyone, Allah make that an atonement for their forgiveness on the day of judgment. So on one side we have extreme kindness and mercy that he doesn't curse and he's so far from cursing and he's being asked please curse and he's saying no I'll pray for them. But on the contrary imagine how serious the words of Jibreel must have been to move and motivate such a kind individual 
to agree and endorse this particular curse. And this was nothing other than Jibreel saying, Woe to that person. May that person be destroyed. Who experienced the month of Ramadan. And by the end of Ramadan, they didn't secure their forgiveness. And the Prophet ﷺ heard it. He approved of it. And he said, yes, that's quite valid. Ramadan comes and a person does not get themselves forgiven. That's like ridiculous. I'm going to agree to that. And he said, Ameen. What did he say? Quite serious. This is the curse of Jibreel. The Ameen of the Prophet ﷺ. If you and I, by the end of Ramadan, do not strive to get ourselves forgiven, we are damned. We are doomed. We are cursed. And this is very serious. So one thing you and I, and the only thing we want to strive for and achieve, by the end of this Ramadan, you and I need to secure our forgiveness. That's what we need. This is what we need. You know, at the time of suhoor and iftar, we're making dua. How much of that dua are we asking for forgiveness? Allah, my head. Allah, my back. Allah, my legs. Allah, my knees. Allah, my eyes. Allah, my hearing. Allah, my this, my house. Allah, my this. We're not saying don't ask, ask for these as well. But let's not forget what we need to be asking for, our greatest need. These things are temporary. We should ask. But our greatest need, we're not asking at all. The greatest need of ours this Ramadan is to secure the forgiveness of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know the Ansar, they came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They needed a canal digging for irrigating their farms. So they needed this river, this canal to be dug for the irrigation of their farms. So a group of the Ansar, they come to the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ, upon their arrival, he becomes elated. He stands up and he says, Marhaban bil Ansar. Welcome to the Ansar. And from himself, before they could say anything, he says to them, O Ansar, anything you ask from me today, I will give you. And anything you ask me to request from Allah, I will request for you. Now the Ansar came with a question in mind. For river and canal being dug for the irrigation of the farms but now they're being, being given the green light anything you ask for is yours so the ansar spoke within themselves just shall we change our idea let's 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 think of something else you know what the time what on the timetable we say salah times may change according to circumstances so the circumstance here has changed they've been given the green light and amongst themselves they discuss what shall we ask for? We can ask for anything and he's going to give it to us. Or he's going to ask Allah for it. Unanimously, the Ansar, they agreed amongst themselves. Let's ask him to ask for forgiveness on our behalf. You know, if it was you and I, oh, you ask for forgiveness, I'm going to ask for my river. That's your idea. No, unanimously, the Sahaba, the Ansar, they said, Oh Prophet of Allah. They didn't say what they actually came for. They said, Oh Prophet of Allah, we've come here we want you to ask for maghfirah. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam makes the dua. What dua does he make? Allahumma fillil ansar. Wali abna'il ansar. Wali azwajil ansar. Wali abna'i abna'il ansar. Wali jiranil ansar. O oh Allah, forgive the ansar. O oh Allah, forgive the children of the ansar. O oh Allah, forgive the grandchildren of the ansar. O oh Allah, forgive the spouses of the ansar. And O oh Allah, forgive the neighbors of the ansar. 
could they have asked for anything greater? This is our greatest spiritual need in this holy month of Ramadan. Let's not lose focus. Fasting, Taraweeh, Sadaqah, Quran, whatever we can do, we do. Why the why? Why? To secure the forgiveness. If I don't have this golden objective, I'm going to become a slave of rituals. That time of the day, time of the month, we just do certain actions and then it's over without a greater purpose. And no sane purpose person in this world exerts themselves. This is my only need. When we make dua, we have needs. These are our greatest needs. Is this featuring in my dua at the time of suhoor? At the time of iftar, am I asking Allah for Jannah and to protect me from the fire of it? Am I asking for maghfirah? Because these are the things that we should be asking for. Not to say we shouldn't ask for other things. But this should be featuring the most in my dua. Ummul Mu'mineen Sayyida Aisha radiallahu anha, she came to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh Prophet of Allah, oh my beloved husband, please pray for me, make dua for me. It was known and understood a default at that time. What did she say? She just said, Oh Prophet of Allah, make dua for me. What did he say? Allahumma gfir li Aisha, ma qaddamat min dhambiha wa ma akharat, wa ma a'lanat wa ma asarrat. Oh Allah, forgive the past sins of Aisha and the future sins of Aisha, the open sins of Aisha and the hidden sins of Aisha. Aisha became elated. She became excited. Oh Prophet of Allah, you made dua for Aisha, you look so happy. Why shouldn't I be? You prayed for the forgiveness of all my sins. You prayed for the forgiveness was a default. She just said, make dua for me. This was the dua. Seeking forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Salim, the grandson of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he's making tawaf of the Kaaba. Whilst he's making tawaf of the Kaaba, the ruler and the king of the time noticed Salim in the mataf. So quickly, they moved the people and he approached him. And he says, you recognize me, I'm the ruler of the time. You are Salim, the grandson of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Is there anything you need whilst you're here? Is there anything you need? Can I assist you in any way? Do you need any financial assistance? Do you need any help? Can I provide you any accommodation? Anything you need? Salim looked towards the ruler and he says, I feel so ashamed that in the presence of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where the house of Allah is here and you're asking me to ask from somebody besides Allah, I am feeling ashamed and you have offended me. You want me to question somebody else right next to the house of Allah? So then he let him go. He continued the tawaf. After completing the tawaf, he came out of the haram. The ruler of the time followed him on his entourage. And they go out of the haram. And he meets him outside. And he says, look, we were inside and you felt offended. Now we are out of the haram. Please tell me, is there anything I can do for you? So Salim says to him, are you asking about spiritual needs or worldly needs? He says, of course, worldly needs, spiritual needs. I need to come to you. I'm going to come to you. Of course, I'm asking about any worldly, anything material. Salim turns to him and says, I haven't asked the world from the one who owns it. Why should I ask it from the one who doesn't own it? From the Allah who owns the world, in my dua I just made now, I didn't ask him anything of the world. All my needs were spiritual. Why should I ask somebody who doesn't even own it? These people knew what to ask in their duas. 
This is a month of dua. We are supplicating. What are we really asking for? What we need by the end of this Ramadan is to secure our forgiveness from Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second dua of Jibreel, it ties in with the first. So the first dua was, woe be to that person, may that person be destroyed, who experiences the month of Ramadan, yet he or she by the end of Ramadan is not able to secure their forgiveness. And the Prophet said, Amin. And the second dua, which ties in quite closely to the first one, and with our topic as well. The Prophet said, Jibreel said to me, May that person be destroyed. Woe to that person who finds his parents, either both of them or one of them in old age, and through serving them, he's not able to serve them and make them happy. He's not able to serve them and get their pleasure and their happiness. They pass away in a way that they're not happy with him. May that person be cursed. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who normally doesn't curse, but understood that how can somebody not serve their parents after what the parents do for them? He sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Ameen. I agree, I accept and I endorse this dua. It's worthy and it makes a lot of sense. And he said, Ameen. Now, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, on one occasion, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he told Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, there is a man, by the name of Uwais. He's from the tribe of Qarb, in the people of Yemen. If you ever come across him, or Umar, if you ever come across him, ask him to make dua for you. Ask him to make dua for you of forgiveness. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, after the demise of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, every single year, Whenever the tribes used to come from different areas, especially from Yemen, he would ask about this particular individual. Are you the people of Yemen? Yes. Are the people of Qarn amongst you? Yes. Is there a man named Uwais? No. Okay. The follow he continued asking until one of the times he was told that, yes, we are the people of Yemen. There's a person from the people of Qarn amongst us whose name is Uwais. And there was even Ibn Asakir mentions that previously Uwais al-Qarni used to suffer from leprosy. And Allah cured him, but he made dua, O oh Allah, remove my difficulty and my leprosy, but leave a small part. Leave a small part in my hand so I can look at it and appreciate your blessings for the rest of my life. That this was me yesterday and this is me today so I can be appreciative, O oh Allah. Therefore, it says in Ibn Asakir, there was a small mark remaining of the leprosy on his hand. So Umar radiallahu ta'ala finds this man and he says, Are you Uwais al-Qarni? He says, Yes. He says, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gives you his salam. He gave you, he told me to ask, pass your, his regards to you. And he told me to ask you to make dua for me. Will you make dua for me? And he said in particular, what dua? He says, Umar, when you see Uwais al-Qarni, not just dua, ask him to seek forgiveness on your behalf. You think Umar needed forgiveness? Wasn't Umar a person who was forgiven on many, many occasions? Didn't he do enough in his life to secure the forgiveness of Allah? Just shows us the importance, the importance of seeking the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam al-Nawawi rahmatullah alayhi narrates the incident after commenting on the story on the hadith of Sahih Muslim. Imam al-Nawawi rahmatullah alayhi mentions many, many different benefits of this story. One of them being 
One of them being that it's merit-worthy to request du'as even from your juniors. Without a doubt, we agree that Umar ibn Khattab who is senior to Uwais al-Qarni, he's a Sahabi. Uwais al-Qarni is a Tabi'i. Umar ibn Khattab is one of the best of the Sahaba. But he's being told by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you come across this man, ask him to make du'a for you. So he asks him to make du'a for forgiveness. And Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, uh, he said to him that, shall I tell the governor to look after you, to look after your needs? And he says, no, I'm okay. What I have is sufficient. Anyhow, then he goes back. The following year, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he would ask the people of Yemen, you know this person by the name of Uwais, people of Qarn, do you know him? They go, yeah, he's a simple person. How is he doing? Yeah, he lives hand to mouth, very simple person. We don't really think much of him. No, do you know who he is? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa told me to ask him to pray for me. He's a great person. Really? We didn't really think, we didn't value him. When they went back, they went searching for him. And they said, Uwais al-Qarni. He says, yes, you know my name. Where have you been? We would have been for Hajj. Ah, it seems you met Umar ibn Khattab. He says, yes. Now the thing was with Uwais al-Qarni, as long as you didn't know him, you'd see him every day. And as long as people found out who he was, he disappeared. He didn't like popularity. He didn't like fame. He didn't like show and pomp. He was a person who was a person of secrecy and he would remain hidden. Anyhow, so seeking the forgiveness of Allah and seeking the pleasure of our parents. These are two things you and I, by the end of this Ramadan, we need to secure. Otherwise, our Ramadan won't be a Ramadan. If I want my Ramadan to be a success, I need by the 29th or 30th of Ramadan, that number one, my sins are forgiven, I've secured my forgiveness with Allah. And number two, I know for sure that both my parents, if they're alive, if, if not, then one of them, and if they've passed away, then I've done enough to make my parents happy. Two things we need, the forgiveness of Allah and the forgiveness of our parents. Because these were the two curses the Prophet ﷺ made. Destroyed be that person who experiences Ramadan and is not forgiven. He said, Ameen. Destroyed be that person who does not gain the pleasure of his parents, that he finds one or both of his parents and is not able to secure their happiness. And he said, Ameen. We've all heard the name of Malik bin Dinar rahmatullah alayhi. Malik bin Dinar rahmatullah alayhi, he says, on one occasion, I went for Hajj. And when I went for Hajj, I saw the thousands and the millions of people making the Hajj. And you and I think of different things. We look at the clock tower, we look at the carpet, we look at the people serving the Zamzam, we look at the Qur'ans, we make all these calculations and things where all these dates are coming from. Everyone thinks in different ways. The pious think in a different way. Malik bin Dinar says, when I saw all of these people, a thought came to my mind. Amongst all of these millions of people, how many people's Hajj has become accepted and how many people's Hajj was rejected? This thought came to my mind. He said, that night when I went to sleep, I saw a dream. And in the dream, I was told that every single person this year who came for Hajj, their Hajj was accepted. Everybody. Allah forgave everybody and everybody's Hajj was accepted except for one person. Now, if you and I were to see such a dream, we'd start thinking straight away, of people we know in our community who maybe drink, who maybe don't come for salah, who maybe have some cause of shortcomings and we think it's probably that person. We will never, none of us will ever point the finger to ourselves. The pious were different. Malik bin Dinar immediately, he became perplexed. 
and he thought, what if that person whose Hajj is not accepted, it's me. And now he becomes restless. And after becoming restless, what happens? And you know, this is the reality and this is the difference between the people, men of Allah and the men of the world. That Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, you know, let it, you've got two hungry wolves. If there's two hungry wolves, you let them loose into a flock of sheep. How much damage will they cause? They're really hungry. How much damage are they going to cause? They're going to cause a lot of damage. The Prophet ﷺ says that the, the greed and, and the desire for greed and the desire for fame will cause more damage to your iman than two hungry wolves will cause in a flock of sheep. So this is, you know, some, in, in, in the English language we say, if you're too big to criticize, you're too small to be praised. If you're too big to be criticized, you're too small to be praised. Anyhow, Malik bin Dinar rahmatullah further on in the dream, he was told, don't worry, that person is not you. Allah has accepted your hajj. And then he says, who is this person? He's concerned. He was shown the description of a person from Khurasan. This is his description. This is where he is from. He woke up from his sleep and he went in searching for this individual. Where is this individual? I'm concerned. I want to know why. And he asked the people, have you know, do you know a person with this characteristic, with these features from Khurasan? The people said, yes. He is a very pious person. We know him to be an upright, devout Muslim. And he comes regularly for the Hajj. And they point into his direction there in that tent you will find him. So Malik bin Dinar goes and chases this individual. And when he finds him, he's praying. He's in his prayer. And he waits for him to complete the prayer. And after he completes the prayer, he says, Assalamu alaikum. alaikum. Are you so and so from Khuras? He says, Yes. Who are you? He says, I'm Malik bin. Malik bin, you've come to me. I've heard about you. You're a great person. What? He says, Unfortunately, I've not come with good news. I've come with bad news. He says, What's the bad news? He says, The bad news is, I have been told that everybody's hajj has been accepted except for one person. And I thought it was me, but then I was told, no, it's this individual and it matches your profile exactly. The man began to cry and shed tears. And he says, you've given me good bad news. I'm going to give you some good news. He says, for the last 40 years, I've been coming for Hajj. And every year, a pious person comes to me with the same bad news. The good news I can share with you is you're a pious person. I might be a bad person, but you're pious. Because for the last 40 years, a pious man has been telling me the same thing. And I've been coming every single year for the Hajj. And the same news has been shared with me that your Hajj has not been accepted. Malik bin Dinar says, why? What's the reason? He said, let me tell you what the reason is. The reason is when I was young, in my young days, it was the last night of Sha'ban, the first night of Ramadan. He says, I wasn't a brilliant person at that time. And I was into drinking. And in the state of being intoxicant, in a life of sin and misery, I returned home. My mother came to me and said, Beta, my son, this is the first night of Ramadan. Even the worst of people come to the masjid. Even the worst criminals turn to Allah. Don't you have any shame that you are drinking on such a night as well? You have not repented. You are still living this life of sin. Turn to Allah, make tawbah. He says, I was intoxicant. 
I became really angry. And in anger, I stood up and I slapped my mom. She fell onto the floor and she hurt herself. He says, Wallahi, as soon as I became sober, the next morning, I really regret what I did. I went for rehabilitation. And then from that day onwards, I've been crying, I've been praying, seeking the forgiveness of Allah. And every year I've been coming for Hajj, yet still I have found that displeasing my mother has caused me this, what I am in now. It's because I made her unhappy. Brothers and sisters, I conclude with this. If this Ramadan we want to achieve something, it should be two things. Number one, we need to secure the forgiveness of Allah. And number two, we need to gain the forgiveness and the pleasure of our parents. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy and possible for us all.